All right, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This week's episode is a rock and metal edition. Something new. Here in just a minute, you're going to hear my conversation with my friend Mark. Mark is a guitar player, so I thought discussing Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, which are regarded very highly because of the guitar virtuoso, the beloved Randy Rhodes. I thought it would be interesting to have the perspective of someone that at least knows something about the instrument rather than just me who can pretty much just strum a few chords. All right, now before I get into my conversation with Mark, I want to make sure and thank all of you that shared the Power Slave versus the Number of the Beast episode. All right, those that shared it are as follows. Brandon in Kentucky, Maurizio Michi in Italy, Ivan in Malta, Craig S.B. from England, Andy from Falkirk, U.K., Tim Keenan from, are you ready for this? Tim Keenan from Albion's Land, Steve in Oregon, James Alder, Francesco from Italy, and FPL Foot Fighter, a.k.a. Paul from Boston. Thank you all very much for sharing. I really do appreciate it. Really. Thank you very much. All right. As you know, I'm still a bit new to this whole recording and podcasting game. And this week I wanted to try something different with my conversation with Mark. So we recorded the phone call as well as used mics and we had a little glitch somewhere in there. So currently I'm having to use the phone call as the audio. I'm hoping that I can replace it very soon. But for the time being, what you're going to be hearing is the phone call. I have listened to some of it. It is kind of glitchy on my side for some reason. <laughs> Everything's glitchy on my side for some reason. It's never the other person's side, which always makes me laugh. But uh, we're going to talk about Blizzard of Oz, and you'll hear part of this conversation now. It was pretty long conversation, so I don't want to throw it all out there at you all at once. So I will get that to you and there'll be a part two that will be coming soon as well. So let's get to it. I have got my friend Mark on the line here, and we are going to talk about the first Aussie solo album, Blizzard of Oz. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've been awake for about 30 hours right now, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just 30? Uh, okay. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Let's um, even get you to 40. 
<laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long show. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, me and Mark, we go way back. We, uh, we've known each other for over 20 years. And Mark, he lives in Austin, Texas now. We met in Arlington, Texas. He lives in Austin, Texas, obviously, because their motto is keep Austin weird. And Mark definitely holds up that end of the bargain, right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And, and plus, uh, I had to move away before Steve was. So Austin seemed like the most <laughs> logical place. So. Yeah, it was it was a it was a blessing for both of us. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to talk about Blizzard of Oz, and uh, I'm just going to start out real quick with just some real basic facts of the album. Um, Blizzard of Oz was released September 20th, 1980. Man, I was only eight years old. Um, the album has Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Randy Rhodes on lead and rhythm guitars, Bob Daisley on bass and Lee Kerslake on drums. Oh, and Don Airy on keyboards. Now, Mark, I want you to tell me what's your first memory of Blizzard of Oz, your first memory of hearing Ozzy, wherever you want to go with it. Go ahead and uh, tell us about yourself and how you first heard Ozzy. Sure, Steve. Hey, so I'm kind of a, I'm a big rock guy. And what I'd like to do is just provide a little bit of context about my past and sort of give an idea about how I actually came down this, this this road that uh, we call the, the the rock and the metal that I, that I'm now sure. embracing. So I started out actually. What's really funny is is uh, I really loved movie soundtracks. That was my big thing back uh, probably when I was about twelve, thirteen, fourteen, okay. in that age. And I, I, I actually desperately hated rock and roll. Just despised <laughs> it. And uh, you know I, I would go to school and see all my peers walking around with Kiss shirts and. Uh, Judas Priest <laughs> and Iron Maiden, and I just thought these are just the spawns of Satan, man. These are just Iron horrible, Maiden, horrible Iron Maidens, you know stuff. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Execute like them <laughs> exactly. Execute them. Take them out. They have to be stoned, right? Bogus. And not in a good way. Not in a good way. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, so it was really funny because my experience with rock was was more about I saw it as being a countercultural thing and that against God and against the country and against my principles and morality. And so I really gave it no shot. I mean, I was heavily influenced by my parents and they had an idea about what music was supposed to be and what it was not supposed to be. And I, I I fully embraced that at that age. So anyway, not to, not to make a long story even longer, but (laughs) I, I, I got into this, uh, this, I, this, this situation where I, I bought my own car, right? Okay. I went down, I worked at this, this fantastic restaurant called Del Taco. Really fancy place. <laughs> and uh, just very exclusive, you can imagine. And so once I, I went there, I got the money, and I was able to buy my own car. Well, when I did that, it came with this really pretty cool radio inside. So I, I started listening to, you know, to these different uh, stations, and I would just listen to this. Oh, that's rock. I'll, I'll have to, to change the channel and, and go to some, some other station. Well, eventually, I turned it to one station, and I heard a song that grabbed me. And it was it was a pop song, and I don't recall exactly which one it was at the time, um, but it was like that's that's actually not bad. And was it uh was it wake me up before you go go? Oh, how did you know? <laughs> how did you know? Yes, you know, and and so that song just grabbed me so much, you know, and, and it was like I just couldn't resist. Um, but no, actually, it was it was more a gradual thing because I I would listen to one song and I was okay, I'll, that's not bad. I would listen to the next song, and, and over a period of months. I started yeah. getting hooked. And on at, at that time of my life, it was more about pop, you know. So I was real into Huey Lewis and the news. I was into Pat Benatar and the cars yeah. and 
and you know these different pop acts of the day, and I yeah. really love them. Like I think I, I really love Howard Jones. I mean, of all people, and oh, yeah. he had some pretty good. So I would go down to the record store, and I would I would sift through the 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 forty fives. I mean, my God, how long ago was that? And <laughs> looking at all these different uh, artists, and I would just I would obsess over it. Like, oh, I got to find this. I got to find that. And I would buy these singles, and I would go home, and I would just be like in heaven. And uh, yeah. so it was it was more of that kind of route for me. And then I switched over to a, this other station in Dallas called, and at the time I was living there, I switched over and I listened to this, this 92 and a half, which is classic rock. Classic rock, and, yeah. You know, because actually I, I was dating this, this girl at the time, and she said, you know, you ought to listen to this station. I said, oh, I don't know. Because I switched over from uh, Kid Craddock and these, these other stations over to, to 92 and a half, and I was hearing Doobie Brothers and Led Zeppelin and, and uh, ZZ Top and these other, these other artists. And right. it was like, man, this is awesome stuff. I mean, at first it was like, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I really liked it or not. It, was, it took me a while. But over, yeah. over time, it, they, they hooked me in. And I really started loving the, the hard rock, Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, you know, all the standard stuff that you had back in the day. And I wasn't that much into the harder stuff like, you know, Maiden and Kiss and so forth, quote unquote. Um, right. But I really liked the, the other less, less intense type of rock. And then it just took me about two years. And then I got hit with even the, the bug that was even more intense. Then I got into, you know, harder acts, you know, um, such as Van Halen and Rush and, and all of this. And then it was like the, the sky w w was suddenly opened to me. You know, and the, right, the, the, right. the bright light hit me. And it was like I was hooked, and I have been hooked ever since. So my big thing, actually, you know, t today to describe it in any, any detail at all is I'm really into Rush and Yes and and uh, Pink Floyd and, and these these progressive acts, and plus the Led Zeppelin and and yeah. um, you know Van Halen, of course, and these other bands. And there were the, the more conventional acts of the day, and that's that was my big thing. The thing is, I, I looked at Ozzy Osbourne at that time as being more, for lack of a better word, satanic. So I kind of avoided sure. that, and and so I just kind of steered clear of it. But um, what's funny is, at probably about eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I started picking up the guitar, and mm -hmm. I learned classical guitar at first. And then, over a period of, of months, I I started looking at or researching other ways to learn songs. I was I became obsessed with learning cover tunes on the radio. I really like Van Halen. I want to learn Van Halen. I want to learn Rush sure. and all this. So I bought a guitar magazine. And it had, I think, uh, a transcription of Hotel California. Well, what's funny is, in that very same magazine, they had uh, this song called Crazy Train. Right. And, you know, so I flipped through and learned, tried to learn how to Hotel California back in the day. I really, that was really bad. But I, I, I couldn't learn it. But then I flip over to this song called, oh, it's Crazy Train. What's this? And I noticed it was Ozzy. And I thought, uh, I can't, I can't do it. So it, right. I, I kind of pushed it aside. Until, until, I was listening to hmm. Q102. And I heard Crazy Train the very first time. And it was a life revelatory event for me. Um, yeah. the, from the intro, all of that. I'll, I'll get to the details later yeah, about how yeah. I felt about that song, but it was revelatory to me because yeah. it didn't sound like everything else that was on the radio at, at the, in the day. And so I loved it. It was, I, I became absorbed with it. And so that was my yeah. first experience with Blizzard of Oz. Um, okay. And I, I loved it. It was, it was fantastic. And so that, it, it took me a little bit of time to actually get into the rest of the album because, again, I was a little bit hesitant about embracing all the stuff that Ozzy did, and he was a crazy guy, biting heads off bats and all of this crazy stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I understood that the music was, was so significant. And the funny thing was, this is how bad I was, just, just to give you an idea. I <laughs> didn't know 
Ozzy was in Black Sabbath. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. I, was, I thought Ozzy was a complete solo act from the beginning, and he had nothing to do with that. Because Black Sabbath is obviously evil, right? You know, who would want to be associated with that? But later on, I found that out. Anyway, that's another experience I could discuss later. But that was well, really, really fantastic. When you're uh, when you're when you're brand new into learning the music, I mean, it, it's like uh, I told a story about the band Kiss and. I never, when I got into them, it was the mid 1980s. So they didn't have makeup on. I knew nothing of them wearing makeup. And they had one guitar player that only played on one album. His name was Mark St. John. He played on Animalize, which just happened to be the first album I got. So to me, he was always the guitar player of Kiss, you know, and little did I know he was the, the very least, he was in the band less than any other member. So yeah. And it's, it's really funny to see that they have a history that you don't, you're not aware of. And right. then you can go back and discover some awesome things, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once you once that knowledge is is understood. So anyway, um, I think it's important that I just sort of establish that, and plus the fact that I listened to bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Kiss, and and there was another artist that I really liked a lot, um, which was similar to Randy but not the same. Okay, that was Ingvae mm-hmm. Malmsteen. Uh, oh, Malmsteen wow. was was a fantastic technical, gifted guitarist that was just awesome stuff that he does but yeah. he had you know pros and cons with, with, with related to that which you would have say with randy um, sure. but that was my big my big thing because as a guitarist i became much more involved with the the bands that had really really good guitarists and i, I became um yeah. very focused on that and so gotcha. that that was my my big thing and randy was at the top of the heap there's no doubt yeah. about it so okay anyway so it's that's sort of my background and where i came from and and how weird I was and still am today. Okay. Well, uh, let me, uh, let me wake everybody up from, uh, that snooze fest. <laughs> Let's do it. Wake them up, man. Wake them up. <laughs> like that Cheech and Chong. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do it. You should have that recorded and just say it. You know, I need to, I need to, yeah, you need to do that. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, for me, my first memory of blizzard of Oz, and this is, it's weird how I, I remember this. Um, uh, I remember my, and I probably, I'd, I'd probably heard it before this moment, but, but I remember my uncle, he, uh, he had a, uh, uh, an international, like, which is a kind of like, basically they make like, you know, tractor trailers, but they also made like a SUV or a, a called a scout. So we were, he had a scout. And so he was taking us to see the movie stand by me in the theaters, which uh, that and I looked it up because I wasn't sure, but the movie came out in August of '86. So he's taking us to see the movie Stand by Me, and I remember we were—I can still remember—we were just. He had Blizzard of Oz cranked up. I can remember listening to "I Don't Know" and you know "Goodbye to Romance." And every when I think about it, I always have this certain memory of I'm you know like the one song that always gets me is "Goodbye to Romance." When I hear "Goodbye to Romance," it's like all of a sudden I'm like. 13 or 14 years old again. And, and I'm you're transported. The, yeah. I'm sitting in the scout. We're at a red light in Arlington and there's a Kroger right to my left across the street. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, and we're on the, and, and I mean, and, and it's weird to me. So I always associate the movie stand by me with blizzard of Oz too. Um, so that's, that's the first time I remember. That's my first real recollection of hearing blizzard of Oz. And, you know, I was just a young, stupid kid. Now I'm just a, you know, old, stupid guy, <laughs> but, but, um, so Aren't we all? I didn't, yeah, 
but I don't really have any recollection of when I heard it thinking, oh man, this, this is the greatest guitar player or anything like that. Um, now my first recollection of really ever hearing Ozzy was I got Bark at the Moon from Columbia House Club. And, um, I, I got a lot, I got a lot of, uh, albums from them. I can remember getting like, you know, maybe like something by Dio, The Last in Line, and then probably getting a few ACDC albums. And, you know, I can't remember everything, but, um, I remember that's, that's kind of my first, because, you know, I was getting into rock music. I was already into Kiss and a little, you know, Twisted Sister and, um, Quiet Riot. You know, you hear those, the initial things, Autograph. The oh, things yeah. That, oh, yeah. You know, All the, the big yeah, songs. Yeah. yeah, the big songs. And so, okay. So I, I kind of, I was thinking about this as I was, you know, thinking about getting into this stuff. Now, Columbia House, how did those people stay in business? <laughs> they were sh- <laughs> like, think about this. You, you would order, you know, 11 or 12 tapes. Back then it was tapes. And you'd pay like a penny. And then you'd agree to buy, you know, six album at regular ply at regular price, which regular price ended up being like twenty dollars, you know. And <laughs> yeah, it's know, amazing. I was doing this at thirteen years old. I had no way. There's no way my parents were going to give me twenty dollars, a hundred and fifty dollars to buy. I mean, I don't <laughs> think I, I think I might have bought one album ever, you know. So, but I, I started thinking about it, and, and and this was before Napster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and then there was also there was BMG. You remember the BMG one where you would? They were a little bit different. They were like Columbia House, but with them, I think they were around when in the um, early '90s, where you could order and get like five or six CDs. And I remember, oh, yeah, some, okay. I remember getting some different thing. I can't really remember what all I got. I remember getting like Galactic Cowboys is one I definitely remember getting. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was also um, uh, KTEL. I don't know if you remember KTEL. Yeah. That one I don't remember. I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Yeah, but you know, they were big in that scene. But being, you know, I had I didn't have a job and all that stuff. So, you know, well, I guess in the early nineties I did. But man, if someone's gonna offer me five or six free albums for a penny, and then I'm probably never gonna buy anything else from them, man, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board with that. Exactly. But um so I so I would probably say it was the summer of eighty five when I got all that stuff from Columbia House. And, um, but I specifically remember listening to Blizzard of Oz and the Scout and going to see that movie. It's, uh, it's hardwired into my brain. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's really way. Um, yeah. It's, it's really funny because, you know, you talk about the first memory, right? For me, yeah. it was for Ozzy, not just Blizzard, but for Ozzy, for me was, gosh, I was on a, a band trip in 1982. Uh-huh. Right. So it was, we were on some stupid, trip to go to some other town to do a football game, right? And the band had to go everywhere. It was just miserable. And yeah. so we, we pile onto this big bus. Well, this dude walks on the bus. He has a big boom box. And uh, so we're just sitting in our seats, you know, trying to pass the time. And he cranks Bark at the Moon. Oh, man. I mean, the first song, Bark at the Moon, and the, whole, the whole album, he plays it. And I, I don't know how he got away with it because the teachers <laughs> would always try to shut that down. And oh, yeah, I remember yeah. listening to it, and I was intrigued, but I was also repulsed because, oh, that's Ozzy. I can't listen to that. But He's there a, was yeah. something about it that was just mysterious and very, very inviting, you know, because yeah. I, there was music for me is, is a language, right? It's, it's something that's deep in, inside you. It's hard to express. And yeah. so I've become a musician as a result of that. And I know how moving it is. It's, it's like a drug. And so, you yeah. know, you listen to these songs and it would move you to a different place. And so oh, although yeah. at the time I was repulsed by it, I still retain the memory of it. 
and there was a certain enjoyment that I derived from it that later on that I could enjoy. So it's 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 funny how how these things work eventually, right? It's it's, it's really funny. But I appreciate oh, yeah. the, the the music now that I never did then, and we evolve yeah, as yeah. people, you know, to be able to do that. So yeah, oh, it's yeah. pretty cool. Well, I do. Th- I think when I realized that Ozzy or not Ozzy, but I, when I realized that Randy was something else on guitar was I remember getting the tribute album when it came out. Oh yeah. And I think that that was, that that was was my first Aussie album. That was my first. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was five years after Randy had uh, died in the plane accident. And I remember taking it over to a friend of mine house and he, he made a really big deal about it whenever, you know, I don't know comes on and you know, the way it fades in and he's playing it faster than the track. And it's oh, like, he's yes. just, oh, yes. he's just burning that guitar up, man. And it's like, he was just like going, Oh my God, listen to this. And I was like, and that's when it really, when he started saying that, it, you know, like I said, I was young and I didn't know. And, and, um, uh, I just, it blew. Then I started realizing this guy, this guy's something else. And of course you listen to it and you know, you like hear his guitar solo and suicide solution. And you hear the, uh, you know, the way he plays like children of the grave. Oh my gosh. The way, yes. My favorite children yeah. of the grave is on that album. Oh my yes. gosh. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, no slight to Tony Iommi, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, if I could yeah. have, you know, Tony, Iommi, he came up with the riff and God bless him for it. But, oh man. But Randy yeah. put the solo over the top. He made that song work. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am I so, speaking sacrilege? <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it is, you know, it's all, it's all relative. So, um, I will say that one thing that, that I wondered, uh, when we were going to talk about, when we talked about talking about this is I started thinking about, you know, you know, re, you know, listening to all the songs. I thought, you know, I wonder what it what's what did someone think in 1980 when, you know, everyone, you know, Ozzy got kicked out of Black Sabbath yeah. and, yeah. and he was just, you know, the whole band, not just him, but he was, like this is how bad Ozzy was. He was on so many drugs. Black Sabbath kicked him out. <laughs> was, oh yeah, exactly. You know, That's how bad he was. He had to yeah. Be so so you know I've in 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 some of the reading I've done the the real perception of Ozzy is everyone was just waiting. No no one thought he was going to have anything good. They were just like this is just going to come out and just be a big cluster. It's not exactly. going to be any good. Yes. And so I thought, what did someone think when they heard it? So okay, I got this. Um, I found an interview with a former Guns N' Roses guitarist, and his name was Bumblefoot. Um, and this is what he says. He says, as soon as Blizzard of Oz came out, everybody started talking about this new guitar player, Randy Rhodes. He said, I was 11 years old and already took guitar lessons, so of course I had to know what the commotion was all about. I ran out and bought the record, and man, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. The guitar playing was astonishing, such vitality. But what really impressed me right off was Randy's vibrato, on that first album, he was already in a class of his own. Now, I'm not any kind of uh, guitar aficionado, so tell me what's vibrato. <laughs> uh, so vibrato, yeah. So that's the technique where the guitarist he plays a note and he mm-hmm. he puts a certain um, certain way that he makes the note sound. So he like the pitch goes up and down. And it's, it's, it's just like when a singer sings, he doesn't sing the note straight. He sings it with a little bit of up and down and pitch to give it much more emotion. Right. So, so would it be something like, like Zach Wilde doing the pinch harmonic on a note? Yeah, it'd be like that. You know, cause okay. when you hit a note, you don't just keep the note at the same pitch. You like put in the string this, this or thing something. where you're, you're shaking the note 
to, to, to emote, right? To make oh, yeah. it sound really, really dramatic. And okay. so Randy had that, he, and he's right about that. Randy had a fantastic yeah. vibrato. And cool. you, you, every time, in fact, every guitarist is unique. When they, when they play yeah. a certain note and you, you hear the vibrato, you know immediately it's that person. You know, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's the same thing with Randy. And so he had that unique quality to him. Yes. And Bumblefoot's very correct. <laughs> just saying. Okay, cool, cool. Well, that's, it's, it, I just thought it was neat. Cause I'm just like, I, I wasn't old enough to, like I said, I mean, the first I ever really heard of Ozzy and Randy Rhodes and, you know, bark at the moon and all that stuff was in the mid eighties after, you know, Randy was gone already. And, and I, you know, it's just age, you know, you can't, you can't change that stuff. So, but, um, yeah, yeah. And, okay. And actually so, guitars, they guitars, they, they work for years to develop that technique. It's not something oh, sure. they develop overnight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. So, okay. So I figure we can go ahead and start talking about the songs and you can say what you like or don't like about them. And, you know, things you, you know, your perspective of it from, you know, a guitar player standpoint and whatever. And, and then yeah, I'll let just me just, say, before we do that, I just want to highlight one thing to show how, how much of a nut I really am. Um, okay. It was about four or five years ago when um, Marshall Amps, that, that's the amp that, that the amplifier that uh, Randy played back okay. in the day in the 80s. It came on the market as, as a special release from this, this, this amp company. And I coveted randy's tone so much and i loved it so much that i drew i dropped down a cool three thousand three hundred three thousand five hundred dollars to get this amp and it's it's a very special edition thing and that's how crazy i am about randy's playing because you you told like but you told your wife it was only 350 right well that's (laughs) fine you know as long as she doesn't know i'm good (laughs) just just know how to keep things from it that's the thing right um but yeah, so it's it's that's how nutty I am, and I have, in fact, a lot of guitarists have obsessed, not just me, have obsessed over the tone that he gets. And what people don't really understand is most of the tone and the way the guitar sounds it comes from their fingers, not necessarily from the gear they play through. But yeah, it's it's still a function of that. So you still have really good gear. It's the stuff that that Randy had, uh, plus the way he played made him what he was, and so. I loved him that much to, to be able to, to, to get his app. I still have it to this day, and I'll never cool. give it up, just to say that. Anyway, that's I'm all. I'm going to steal it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You won't give it up willingly. <laughs> Not willingly, that's right. You'll have to come and take it. Oh, man. Okay, so um, obviously the first track on Blizzard of Oz is a killer. I mean, it starts off with like, – can you imagine – I can't imagine being – I mean, I guess being – somebody that was into black Sabbath. Imagine that. Imagine you're someone that was into black Sabbath. Yeah. And, and you know, well, on the, well, I think on one of their last tours with Ozzy, they had Van Halen opening. So imagine you're seeing black Sabbath and you're thinking, Oh, well, Ozzy's going to come out and it's going to be something, you know, now, now their last album with Ozzy never say die did have some more up tempo stuff on it, but just imagine thinking, Oh, you know, this is probably going to be some black Sabbath, sounding stuff. And then, you know, it come and and uh, and then I don't know. You turn it on and it has, it fades in, and I don't know. You know, comes in with that. Oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead and uh, talk about. I don't know. Tell us what you think. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I came uh, to this song probably quite a bit later than Crazy Train and the other classic tracks. But um, when I did, I saw the okay. So the intro itself is just a blazing riff. Okay, sure. it's straight ahead rock tone and approach. It's just in your face. Awesome, and so yeah. 
Randy coming in with that, that particular intro, it just grabs you by the throat. And I just yeah. loved it. It's typical of the eighties. You know, it's doing the pedal tone thing. It's, it's got that, that special tone that Randy had and it just, it, it attracts any guitarist worth their salt will just, will just be immediately drawn in by that, by that particular riff and the way that he plays it. If you had like someone else play that same riff, it would not have the same impact. I think it had something to do special with the way that, that Randy played. Plus, you know, the gear he played on. Um, yeah. You have great fills between vocals. I mean, that's just the, the way that he does the trills and the, the different uh, scalar runs as, as Ozzy does the different uh, parts of the song. Just, just phenomenal. Um, and I just also want to mention the fact that something you alluded to earlier was the fact that uh, on the, the tribute album, it's, it's incredibly fast, much faster than the studio, but it's yeah. still very well executed, right? There's no flubbing of notes. There's no sloppiness. He does it beautifully okay in, in that fast form and ozzy has to keep up with randy i mean it's it's such a great thing um yeah. it's a great chorus vocally with a very deep subject matter he's you know he's talking about you know, god and this and so forth so it's i think for for ozzy it's pretty deep right it's 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 got a really good subject matter that is discussing and i don't necessarily agree with what he what he says in the song but at least sure. he, it, it, it gives the impression that, that there's a searching going on with ozzy and i think that's probably a positive um this is what also is really cool. So the great tone that Randy has, it's, it's, it's a good album opener. It, it really is because, you know, like I say, it just grabs you from the first riff. Oh, yeah. Um, I absolutely love the breakdown before the solo. It's just way, way done just so well. And the thing that, that you always know about any great band is they know how to do dynamics well. And I think this song represents that, where he does that little breakdown before the solo, and then it just pounds you with the solo coming out. Just really, yeah, really yeah. good stuff. Um, Really adds to the song, okay. And then he also does the double tracking for some of the for some of it. That also works well, I think, on the studio, of course. But even so, you know, you can't do the double tracking on the on the actual live recording. But it still comes across fantastic there. Oh, so yeah. you have solid playing from the bassist and drummer, and uh, although not over the top, it's it's an awesome song. It's it's not as good as some of the other tracks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and give you a rating for it. So I would okay. say out of ten. Now, this is relative to Randy. This is not relative to the general 80s scene, okay? I, I give this relative to Randy. I give it about a 6.5 to 7 out of 10. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Why do you hate Randy Rhodes? <laughs> I don't. We'll find out. You'll find out later I don't, so just bear with me, okay? Okay, uh, at the end of this episode, I will be giving out Mark's personal email address to send <laughs> course, hate mail yes. to. <laughs> because do. don't... Firebomb hey, the house, right? Because, listen, I'm just going to say this, okay? When people want to, you know... You know, this is what I figure. People are going to come and they're going to say, uh, why did he say that that's a 6.5? And you know what I'm going to respond? I'm going to say, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. I, I thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'll just, I'm going to skim through my notes here. I got, I got a few notes here and, and actually I might've mentioned some of the things. Um, I know I'm a dummy, but I wrote some of the things about his guitar tone and things, but I, I love how it fades in with that riff. I mean, like you said, that riff is just, it's a blazing riff. And then on tribute, it's even better, you know? Oh, the yeah. Riff on, oh yeah. No doubt. And, and one, and, um, okay. I'll just go in, my, in the order of what I've kind of got in my notes here. I love the lyrics. I think the lyrics are great. Um, you know, it's just, it's a cool song. It's, it's, uh, he, Ozzy's, you know, he sounds good vocally. The bass is really good. The drums sound really good. Um, you know, obviously on tribute, he's playing it so much faster. And one of the things I really like 
is, you know, he's playing the riff, the, you know, the da 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 and and in between, he's just doing these, um, these just little, just these little small guitar fills right in between, just like real quick, and he's yes, just right, yes. and he's right back on the riff, and, right back on man, exactly. Oh gosh, it's 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 so yeah. He does so he good. does one at the end of the song where he goes really yeah. high on the fretboard, and it's just fantastic. I mean, yeah, yeah. the way he does the fills and the solo, I mean, you just can't complain at all. Oh yeah, I mean. His his tone was awesome, and to me, the guitar solo on Tribute is the ultimate solo for the song. I mean, because you know he kills it. And your six point five. I mean, now I didn't I didn't have any numbers wrote down, but to me, this is this song is an all time. It's an all it's an all time classic. Now, and, and it's a and classic. Take, okay, go ahead. What it's what it says about this album, though, for you to say that I don't know isn't that there's better songs on this album. A, I don't know is a killer song. B, how good are the other songs that there are songs that are better than that? You know, that just goes on to say, um, let's see here. And uh, I, I said, this is a top, this is top notch. I would say, I would probably, I mean, oh, here, I it probably comes. Get, here it comes. <laughs> I mean, on a scale of one to 10, I'd probably give this a spinal tap 11, dude, man. I love really, it. Really, really. Um, I like this song better than Crazy Train. So let me. Uh, okay, wow, do you have anything more? Wow. Do you have anything, do you have anything more to add on? I don't know. So on that song, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a fantastic song. Sure. But I don't. And I'll, again, I'll get to the other songs later. But I think the other songs are so awesome that it makes this yeah. song a little bit more less awesome. I guess in a sense, because I mean, yeah. if I were rating this, I mean, if this is the song that was the best song on the album, I would give probably give it a ten, no problem, or a nine, or whatever. But yeah. it's it's more of a testament to the other songs that I think are so much better. Um, yeah. And I, to be fair, I think the six point five is probably not not it's too low. Probably I would yes. go with the seven seven to seven point five. <laughs> I think that that would probably make more sense. I'll, I'll concede okay. with you. I'll concede with you, Steve, that it's, Mark, it's a better song than I gave it a rating for. I would Mark, not give it an eight. But. <laughs> it's it's Mark at my opinion sucks at gmail.com. Exactly, exactly, exactly right. Send me okay. your complaints there, okay? Okay, so I'm I'm sure you're gonna say a lot more about Crazy Train than I am. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, we'll just swap back and forth. We'll we'll um, okay. Yeah, so I've got I, some stuff to say about Crazy Train. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, sure. That was your. Um, obviously, it's 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 the All Aboard. You know, when it starts off as a classic. I mean, you that's something that you if you ever watch sports, if you ever watch football games or uh, whatever, you're gonna hear you in the background. You're just watching, and all of a sudden in the background, you can hear All Aboard. <laughs> Um, you know and it's a great it's a great one-two punch because um when when uh randy comes in on that and it's it's like he's got the little pick slide on the guitar and uh and oh man it's it's uh then it kicks hard i said this is one i said uh you know it's a great one-two punch to open ozzy's first solo album i mean you're thinking like i said you're thinking Okay, what's this idiot going to put out? Because <laughs> because because people knew. I get. I'm assuming that the perception of Ozzy back then was, you know, and and all of Black Sabbath, they're all drugged out. You know, Ozzy's yep. not yep. going to come back and do anything that's going to be. You know, they probably thought he was. I think a lot of people. You know, I know a lot of people don't like Sharon Osbourne, including me, but she has to get a lot of credit. I mean, she drug Ozzy probably, you know, where he had one foot in the grave and he did, he did. And, and got, you know, where the only reason why there's a blizzard of Oz, and I believe this completely 
The only reason why there's a Blizzard of Oz and um, Diary of a Madman is because of Sharon. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... I can so say I, that with complete honesty and, and, and acknowledge the fact that she's a jerk, okay? But she yeah, got yeah. him going. She got him moving. She was the only one that probably could. So I said here, I said, I said, Ozzy hit the jackpot with Randy. I mean, if yes. you think about Ozzy's guitar players that he went through, the first one, two, four guitar players. He, first, he has Tony Iommi. Then he has Randy. Then he has Jakey Lee. Then he has Zach Wild. I mean, he's hit the he hit the jackpot a lot of times. But um, he, there's, I mean, Randy wrote these riffs are killer. You know, he's playing killer rhythm in the song. The lead guitar is great. Um, I could pretty much repeat a lot of what I said about I don't know. The solo is great. The song is great. The live version is much better than you know anything that you Ooh, hear of Randy you live. Think the live to, version, you think the live version is better? I, I prefer it. Yeah, especially because, you know, at the beginning when the bass and the drums are done, 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 and Oz, and then Randy's doing that, doing that little, instead of playing along, he's doing the little soloing thing while they're doing it. Yeah, and just, yeah, yeah. That, and that's okay. really, and, and I'm going to address that point. I'm going to address that point, but go ahead, go ahead and continue. Go ahead. I'm, I just pretty much said, man, this song, this is awesome. There's so many, there's so many good things about it. It's, it's such a classic, and I know you're going to have a lot more to say about it than me, so uh, your okay. your, uh, your your guitar playing perspective probably will add more than <laughs> than my uh, my picking up a guitar and looking at it going like uh, what are these strings for <laughs> perspective I know they're something <laughs> yeah exactly okay so all right so let me just say a few things about this song all right yeah. um okay what can I say man I mean it's one of the best in all of rock music hands sure. down everything is there from the riff. Yeah to the playing, to the tone. This yeah. is the one that has sent millions to learning the guitar and copying this riff. I yeah. mean, there is no doubt about its influence, about its cultural influence. You hear this in yeah. baseball games, football games. You hear it on the yeah. radio constantly. Uh, the, the intro where Ozzy goes, I, I, you know, all of that. And then the, the yeah. riff comes in and it's just, it's such a crowd pleaser. And it, it is no doubt how awesome this thing is. And again, and again this is a song that I heard first off of Blizzard and probably all of the other stuff, right? And, and it's, what's weird is Ozzy, coming in, just give a little bit of history. Ozzy came from Black Sabbath, and like you say, he had the drug problem. And so he brought that into the sessions with Randy and the rest of the guys. And so Ozzy would be completely stoned, like laying beneath a drum riser, right? And letting the other guys take the lead yeah. and, and, and actually crafting the songs. And he, they would have to kick him to get him off, off the floor to sing the song. But he knew how to sing. He knows he has that gift. Sure. Um, you know, and like you say, how does this man do it? <laughs> I mean, how did he stumble on such a colossal talent? And I think Sharon may have had a hand in that, right? Because she understood talent when she saw it. She wasn't an idiot. I mean, her Obviously. father was a producer. You know, she, you know, she had some idea what to look for. So they, I think she had a hand in this whole process. And Randy, like you say, I mean, it was like the heavens parted for this guy. So let me, yes. let me just continue on with the, the sort of the assessment. Okay, yeah. so this was my first introduction, Randy, and I was mesmerized by when I heard it the first time on, on the radio. And I was like, wow, that's, that's the song, man. That, that is so awesome. It was one of those moments similar to what I experienced when I heard Eruption for the first time by Dave Van Halen. And, and it was just, you're sitting there with your mouth open in awe listening to yeah. this track. And you're like, man, how did I miss this? How did I sure. miss it? And yeah. so you, then I got hooked. And even though I had reservations about Ozzy and all his his persona and all the crap that he did, I had yeah. to acknowledge this, 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 
the guitarist for this band and the, the, the song in general was crafted expertly. It, it's a masterpiece. Um, yeah. So the bass and drums provide a perfect vehicle for the entrance of the riff. I mean, bump, 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 bump. I mean, just, just yeah. so, so awesome. And it pulls you in just from that moment. And then you hear the, like you say, the pick slide and then the riff yeah. comes in and it's just like goosebumps from then on. Um, oh, yeah. And I've heard so many songs that have that, that kind of that dynamic when it starts out and you hear mm-hmm. the riff, then, then the verse starts and you're like, ah, it's not quite as good. This song is not that way at all. I mean, when you hear the intro riff and then it goes into the verses and you hear the, the descending thing that Randy does, you know, with the pedal tone, dum, 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 it's fantastic. And it, <laughs> it's, it, the song just keeps your, it keeps your interest throughout the entirety of it. There's no gaps in it that, that, that where you lose it. There's just nothing there. Um, Okay, I never skip this track when I listen to it every time I listen to it. There's some songs that, you know, if I hear it on the radio or if I hear it, uh, like, in my uh, MP3 list, I never skip it. It's, it's always there in my mind, and it's one of those yeah. songs that I just, I just can't get enough of. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add this, because um, I, I know when I said that I thought Crazy Train wasn't as – I thought I liked I Don't Know better. I, do, I will say this. I think that the fact that Crazy Train is – you know, every band has a song. If if they if they hit it big, they have a song that was their biggest hit that you're that you're almost that you get tired. Like with Kiss, it's rock and roll all night. You know, I could yes, if I never if they never played it again. And I think that the amount of times that I've heard it play into the fact that it's it's you know it's like okay, crazy train again. So <laughs> I think that plays into it. But I want to um, before we get on to the next song, I was just looking at the lyrics right here in front of me and. And I just wanted to read this based on everything that's going on in the world right now with, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. So how telling are these are, is the first four lines of, of crazy train crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. Great. And then, and even the, even the, yeah, even the next two lines are perfect. Mental wounds not healing. Life's a bitter shame. I mean, that's... that's it sums it yeah. up quite nicely. It really does. Yeah, Wisdom exactly. from Ozzy. Who would have figured? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, just, it's funny. Let, let me just say a couple other things. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm not quite done because this song really deserves it. Um, <laughs> so, so I have spent, and I'm not joking, I have spent many, many hours learning this song and trying yeah. to get it right. And it is not easy, Okay. But particularly on the verses where you're doing the descending riff, it takes a lot mm-hmm. of technique to get that down. But once you do, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I noticed, and I'm going I'm to address the comment that you made earlier. I noticed that Randy does not play it exactly the same way when, in live on the tribute album, which I found, uh-oh, I'm going to say it, a little disappointing. So That's okay, yeah. Uh, so when he plays it in the studio, he does this galloping thing, dun, 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 whereas in the live version, he just goes dum 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 dum. So it's it's not the same thing. The song doesn't sound the same to me, and I really prefer the galloping thing in the studio. Uh, the solo is fantastic in the in the in the uh, the actual studio recording. It's really good in the live, but he doesn't play it the same. It doesn't have the same impact in my view. Now, but having said that, the intro to the song on the live version is better. I, I agree with you on that one. I, I yeah. love the way that, it, that the song starts on the live version. That is, is awesome. I pref- but the rest of the song I prefer in the studio. And the other thing is knowing how complex the solo is, and he double-tracked it, is, is just <laughs> a testament to his talent. Uh, well, I, I think, um, I will say this, I, I, I think one thing I really like about it on Tribute, 
as well as pretty much probably every other song from this album that's on tribute is the guitar sounds so much more crisp and sharp live than it does on the studio that it is on the studio. And Oh, and I'll add this. I don't know if you've ever read this before, but uh, the guy who uh, produced the album, the, the guy who really produced it, I think he was an engineer, Max Norman. He said that, that Randy would come in and do double and triple takes yes. of the song. Oh, yeah. He would, or track it. He would double and triple. He would be like, Randy, are you going to be able to do that? And he'd go, oh yeah. And he said he would just sit there and immediately play it exactly. He said exactly the way he did. Yeah. It's not like it was. So yeah. It's, yeah. That's the thing. He, he, so he doesn't disappoint with the, the, the solo is fantastic and it's double tracked. And, and one of my first priorities as a guitarist, when I had the ability was to learn that solo. I wanted desperately learn it. And I, yeah. I got most of it. <laughs> it's still a little <laughs> bit tricky for me, but it's, it's when you play it right, it's, it's such a satisfying experience. Um, it does, but again, he doesn't play that exactly that way live. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So after the solo, we turn back to the intro section, so bump, 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 bump. And it's, it's really cool there. He goes back into the lake, the, the intro lake. And then we go into the, the last verse, the, the blistering licks that he does. And the outro, so Ozzy would sing a line, then he goes, and he comes up the fretboard with this fantastic sounding um, lick that he does up. I mean, it's, and it's, it was one of the first things I tried to learn when I learned guitar was how that yeah. he did that ascending lick up the fretboard. And then he does another thing where he does this blues lick at the end that also just sounds so over the top and beautifully well executed, just very done. Okay, I love the way Ozzy sings the song. It complements the, the playing of the musicians. Everything is perfect about it. Ten out of ten. There you go. Yep. I mean, I can't argue that. I mean, you can even give it a spinal tap eleven if you want. I, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I could do that. Like I said, I that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a term you're going to hear uh, probably multiple times. Now that you're, <laughs> if you want to give ratings, I mean, there there's only there's well there's one song on this album that's gonna yeah I might disappoint a few people with the rating on one of them. But. <laughs> okay, so the next song, the next song up is the song that I said takes me back to the scout and sitting at the red light, getting ready to go see stand by me. It's goodbye to romance. Um, yes. Yes. Tell me what you think about goodbye to romance. Okay. So this song, this is really funny because it's really kind of jolting, right? Because you listen to, I don't know, which is blistering, awesome rock and crazy train, which is just, just pounds your skull with such awesomeness. Then you hear the intro to goodbye to romance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? What happened? <laughs> um, so I would say this. So very good intro with a massive change in feel on the album. And it's, it's very jarring because concerning the rockers we just went through, this demonstrates the huge versatility of Randy as a player and a songwriter. Um, yeah. When I heard this song the first time, it was kind of discombobulating for me because, you know, because I always think of Randy as the crazy train thing. And then yeah. listening to this, it took me a little bit of time to appreciate how awesome this song is. Um, yeah. And just the way that Ozzy sings the lyrics and the way that Randy plays the, the, the clean intro and the clean parts of the song. And it's, but it's, it's a, it's a very well-written song. It's one of the best songwriting as far as I can tell for Randy. Um, and what's funny though, is I have the original album with Randy on quiet riot. Okay. Okay. And what's funny is he plays that same intro in, on that album with really? the, the band choir, right? Yes, he does. And okay. so, but they, they did a different thing with it. But when he introduced it to Ozzy, they, of course, Ozzy took a completely different direction. 
Um, mm. And I think, as I recall, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but I think he did it as part of a an instrumental song on the album for Quiet Right, and then okay. Ozzy actually made it a real song, you know, for for, for the band. And so yeah. it, it's it really came through. I think it has almost a jazzy feel, but very laid back verse with chorus, with using unconventional chords. And I don't want to bore you with what they are, but uh, voicings, <laughs> especially for an '80s rock band. So it's, it's very different than what you would hear for most '80s rock band. You wouldn't hear these these types of chords and kind of thing going on with uh, with other bands of the day. Ozzy's vocals are very good in both delivering mm-hmm. content. Um, I really identified with the song from a lyrical point of view, so it had such a deep impact on me. Um, you know, listening to the way it was delivered and the whole thing, and I identified with it strongly because it was a good about a romance thing. I was I felt alienated in that time of my life, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sing that because it really, really reflected how I felt. You know what the lyrics are about, right? Yeah, so it's it's about him separating from Sabbath, right? Yeah, yeah, which is. It, yeah. And, it's a, and but in the day I didn't know that. It, for me, it was about you know women yeah. and, and all the angst. Associated sure, with them. sure. I'm sure, you know nothing about that. But um, no, I know. I don't. You know, well, it's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a woman. You know. But I, I kind of identified with it that way, and it was such. I, I loved it, the lyrics and the way Randy played it. It's, it's such yeah. a great, and it's not. But it's a different feel than Crazy Chain, and I, I don't know. But that doesn't make it any less great. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's totally so different. It's, it's not too over the top. It doesn't overly. Okay, but. The solo, I just want to mention this, is such an instance of grace and technique. Um, You know, a lot of players, guitar-wise, particularly in the 80s, they had a tendency to really dominate and overplay and really show off. Randy doesn't do that. He plays to the song in a way that's so unique, and I think he he does the solo on this song, which which really puts it over the top. I love the solo. I love the solo, because it's very soft, very laid back, and then when you get to the solo, although he's using a distorted guitar, it, it complements the tone of the song perfectly. And it, it doesn't dominate, it just enhances, it just makes it better. And uh, I just, But it's not very long, so it keeps it within a certain, a certain range of time, but it's perfect. I mean, he ends with the solo, and you're just still, you're still mesmerized. Yeah. Um, it keeps it very yeah. melodic. And what's funny also, and that's something I'm not generally a big fan of, but I'll go ahead and admit it to you, is the fact that the keyboard's are also more prominent on this song, more so, much more so than the other songs that we listened to earlier. Um, so they play a lot of my notes, after. dude. <laughs> am I? Am I really? I was really hoping you weren't going to say that because that was like that. I was like, okay, you mentioned everything pretty much that I wanted to say about it. But <laughs> good, let me go first so I get all the credit. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. Anyway, so the keyboards are there, but Randy does a great fade out on the song with the, the licks that he does there, uh, uh, da, 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 and the way that he solos out, it still complements it perfectly. This is an awesome song. I, I categorize it as a nine out of ten. I think I would say that too. It's um, you know, even though this is the song that I said takes me back, it's 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 not my favorite Aussie ballad ever. Um, but it, it's but it, yeah, it's a great song. I love, like I said, I love the guitar solo because it's. I don't, you know, I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, and I really don't even care. I mean, when I hear a guitar solo, I just want, you know, I want to hear what the guitar solo sounds like, and, course, and when yeah. I hear it, and it, it, it's it it's something that you can, it's something for me. I can when it, when I'm listening to that solo, I can just close my eyes and get lost in it. It's yeah, yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's that good, you know, it, yeah. it's well, it's very well done, and yeah, that was what I had the, the thing in my notes. I said that I dislike that at the end of the song, there's a really long keyboard outro playing when. <laughs> You know when when you when there could be more Randy and it's yeah and 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 I'm guessing that Randy was um, the kind of player 
like you said, he plays to the song and, and, and I don't, and I don't think this is common in guitar players. What I'm about to say is that maybe he said, okay, this is what's best for the song. I'm just going to kind of sit in the background here. <laughs> you know, that's not a guitar player trait, but, um, but yeah, his guitar solo is awesome. Uh, I love the song. It's, it's just, it's a mellow, it's a total 180 from the first two songs you hear on the album. And, um, so I'll say that. And then I'll say, we can go straight into the next song, which I'll take first. Okay. Uh, unfortunately I get to yeah, take this you. next one, Okay. but, um, but I can see what, which, what's the next song I'm going to get first, which I'm really thrilled for. So, um, the next song is D okay. it's a, it's a short instrumental that Randy wrote and named after his mom, Dolores Rhodes. And, you know, when I hear it, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, God, mid eighties. What is that? 30 years ago. So I've been hearing it for so many years when I hear it, even though it's short and it's sweet, I just close my eyes. And, you know, I do that a lot when I listen to music, you know, I just close my eyes. You just kind of get lost in it. Cause it's just, it's a very nice and it's a very sweet little guitar thing. He wrote it for his mom. You know, I love the little, uh, part, or not, I, I, the track that's on tribute at the end where it kind of has him playing. And he's like, ah, I fretted that chord wrong and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just cool to, but it's cool to hear it. Cause when you hear it that way, you really hear, how you kind of, cause he stops a couple of times and he starts it and he, and you're just like, wow, he is really, even though it just sounds like something really simple, he's doing a lot. And you can hear, his, I love how you can hear his fingers sliding up the neck of the, you know, you can hear him on the strings. I love that. Uh, you know, and that's a minor thing, but, um, another other thing I got is, uh, you know, black Sabbath had a history of, an, of instrumentals on some of their albums. And I think that them allowing Randy to put that on there was just basically to, keep that going for Ozzy. At least at that point, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to follow that trend and put in, you know, a nice acoustic intro or a, a nice acoustic song on an album. So that's pretty much what I got for that one. Okay. Do so you want my take on it? Uh, no, but I guess you're going to give it to me, right? <laughs> too bad. I'm doing it. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> um, so this song, it's really funny. Um, I think, honestly, this is one of the best songs Randy has ever written. Yeah. Um, it's very short, but very beautiful. Yeah. And it's a completely classical based song. And sure. it's also among the best of those types written by other rock artists. So I can't think of another, a better example of such a song written by any other artist in that same time period in, in any other genre. Right. So yeah. It's very unusual for, you know, this, this rock, uh, ease rock guy to get up there and, and create and compose a classical song of that, yeah. of that stature. There is yeah. no other artist that I can think of that, that had that ability. The only ones that even came close to that, just to sort of reference it, was uh, there's a, a song called Mood for a Day by Yes, which is actually really fantastic. Uh, okay. Another one called Midsummer's Daydream by Triumph. Which, okay. Uh, it's, it's fantastic acoustic, but it doesn't... Both of those songs, while they're being really good songs, they don't equal the quality of something like this song from Randy. And that's completely yeah. contrary to what I would ever expect. Because sure. Randy was such a unique player. He could he could do things like the classical side of playing and sound make it sound so convincing that it sounds like you know a, a player from you know two or three hundred years ago playing you know the, a, a lute standard right and it uh -huh. sounds completely convincing. Um, it just demonstrates truly how massively talented he is as a guitarist and songwriter. And it's you know typically for most musicians they're really good at one and not necessarily the other. They sort of have to make up for the other side of, of the lack. Randy was not that way. He had fantastic guitarist abilities but he also had songwriting abilities that were just off the charts and yeah. 
No other, and I'm going to say something very controversial. I know that, oh, but no other Ozzy guitarist comes close, in my opinion, even I only. So he combines the acoustic side, classical side, with the rock and all the other genres together, and make it all sound beautiful and fantastic. This song deserves a ten out of ten. I'm going to say this: um, what, what your controversy about your controversial statement, and and not that I disagree, but. Tell me if you think this, or if you, if this means anything, it resonates with you. Because the body of work that we have from Randy out, and I'm not, I'm not including the Quiet Riot albums. I'm just, I'm just concluding this because, uh, from what I've, what I've heard of the Quiet Riot albums, this, the stuff he was doing with Ozzy was otherworldly compared to that, and. But his body of work with Ozzy, obviously the two, the two albums plus the tribute album and then there's the new there's the other live album that was released with diary of a madman when they remastered it but his body of work is small and with someone like zach wild like say zach wild's recorded let's see he did one two three he's done it he did the three first three albums he did with um ozzy and then he's done a few more that i haven't really been as interested in after that but and then of course he went on and he's recorded acoustic albums and he's recorded you know, all the black label albums and, oh, yeah. you know, and then Jakey e. Lee recorded the couple of albums and then he went on and he did Badlands and then he has the band. Um, what's his new band called? Uh, I can't, I can't, it's, it's slipping my mind. Red Dragon Cartel. Red Dragon Cartel, which that's a good album. I mean, the, the second album I've got is, it's really they're pretty good. good. I, I, I would not classify them as good as some of them might, but yeah, they're good albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as, yeah, but, but I think that, the fact, and I and I don't mean this to sound in any way disrespectful at all, because I love both of these albums, Diary and uh, Blizzard. Yeah. But I think you know, I think the fact that, and, and you know, there's a, there's the big, there's the you know, the people have said that Randy was pretty much on the outs of Oz, of Ozzy's band. You know, when the tour was over, he was going to be gone. And whether or not that's true, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of. I've heard a lot of that, and it sounds like it's probably been corroborated or whatever. And um, yeah, but I think. Just, uh, go ahead. Let me let, let me. Let, hey, I want to finish this. Uh, the fact that Randy, okay, just the fact, and this, and like I said, I want this to be disrespectful or you know, but the fact that Randy died at a very young age, at the at the top of his game, you know, the absolute yeah. top of his game. Yes, I think that elevates his status for a lot of people, and not that. I mean, not that it needs to be elevated because those are killer. They're killer albums. I mean, it's not unwarranted to have that. But I do think that a lot, that, and like I said, I don't mean to sound bad. It's probably going to sound bad, but he gets a higher rating among, like, say, Aussie guitar players because he died. Because if he had, if he let's say he let's say he lived, he didn't ever record anything else with Aussie. Right. Okay. Can you imagine? First of all, <laughs> can you imagine a full? album because he was going to have to record a full album of, of of sabbath songs and you know iron man children of the grave and paranoid the best versions i've ever heard of them are all on tribute so can you <laughs> I, I would love i would love to have heard all of the other ones now wait what I, I said but who knows what he would have turned into you know there's he there's a lot of talk i, I had some debates uh on twitter recently not debates but just some discussions people saying well he he would have kind of like Ingve Malmsteen. He would have taken the classical angle of metal and all. And I I I said 
I think he would have gotten completely out of rock music, at least for a while. Now, who knows? Um, you know, he, but yes, I, I think that's there's a lot of validity to that. I think um, Randy, based on the interviews that I was reading in the day, because I, you know, I get the guitar magazines that I would read about you know, some of the some of the history about what he felt about being in the band and so forth. He felt yeah. like Ozzy's music was too dark, okay. and he he wasn't a big fan of um, the way Ozzy would would do his lyrics and so forth. He he really wanted to have a more I don't know if the word's lighthearted, but he had a, a vision of having a band that wasn't quite what Ozzy wanted. So the vision of the band is not something Randy really really wanted to see going forward. And I think it was probably conceivable that he would have quit probably after one more album. Um, okay. And he would have done his own thing and probably went, went with another vocalist. And who knows? Like, I mean, if the material he would have written after that would have been any good, I, I think it would have been. I think it would have been fantastic. Sure. Um, the thing is, even with the two albums, the the song Dean, for me anyway, this is just, again, me, I think there's no other guitarist that Ozzy got involved with that could write a song like D and make it sound as good as that. That's that's my view. Now, the yeah. material, yes, is shorter, but Zach Wilde can never do a D. I don't think um, Jakey Lee could do it either. Mm. They didn't, and that's fine. They, they, they did the electric stuff, and that's great, and I'm not taking anything from them at all. They did a great job, yeah. awesome job yeah. for, for Ozzy. But in my view, you know, D is, is, is that song that None of the other guitars could do, and never tried to do. So yeah. that's just my whatever that's worth. Let the hate mail come. Let it come. Yeah, dude. <laughs> golly, man, I'm gonna you're gonna blow up my inbox here. I have to make sure and uh, make sure and give a link for your uh, your personal address or something. <laughs> as long as it goes to you, I'm I'm good with that. So okay, well, based on some of your comments on this show, that I'm gonna let you take the next song because I'm sure some people might be feeling that might be what the solution is for you. <laughs> <laughs> It could be. So suicide solution. Suicide solution. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let me just tackle this one. I think I'm probably going to get some hate on this one. So let's just get oh ourselves prepped oh up gosh. for it. Okay. Here we go. Um, okay. So this song has a good intro. It's a good riff, but it's not my favorite. Okay. Um, I think the version on tribute is much better than the studio version. Arzy's lyrics are not as negative as one might suppose, but instead offers hope to sufferings, for those suffering from suicidal thoughts, which is a, a good thing. Um, you know, there was this big controversy back in the day that some kid listened to it and committed suicide, sure. and they, they implicated Ozzy. And said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. No, if you really li- li- read the lyrics, you would understand that he's not advocating suicide. There was a, right. a song against it, but they, were, they weren't quite bright enough to figure that out. Um, yeah. This is a good example of a straight-ahead rock tune. has really good tone by Randy. Really good tone. Yeah. After hearing Tribute, the solo was a bit of a letdown, since I heard that version first. Yeah. Outside of that context, a decent solo, if not shreddy, it's okay. Um, I do like the fact that Randy employs a kill switch on the track. So he does do that, similar to what he did in, in the solos for, for Tribute. And uh, What is the, is the kill... What is the kill switch? Is that where it's like where he's like where he grabs the little switch and flips it up and down? Yeah, you flips it up. Oh, and down. Yeah. So I love that. So that's he, cool. He goes, duh, 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 thing. And yeah, he does that cool. on that song, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, it's a it's an okay song. It's it's, it's good, but oh, it's, wow. it's not my favorite. I, I think the riff is eh, it's okay, um, but it's I think the other songs are much better. I give it. uh Oh, here it comes. A five point five out of ten. That's my view. Oh my so. 
<laughs> Mr. Steve. This is Uncle Steve from Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, and I want to apologize on behalf of myself and my uh, my friend. I didn't realize he was a drinker or a, on drugs. Yeah, but yeah. Apparently, totally, apparently totally something's wasted, going man. on here. Totally. Okay. Wasted. Okay. So let me uh, let me. I, I've got I've got a few notes on this, so I'm going to kind of kind of kind of skim my notes and just kind of highlight a few things here. Um. I said, okay, it starts off with the pick slide, which is awesome. I love the, I love the pick slides. They sound awesome. Uh, and it goes, and it goes into what I consider a killer riff. Okay. Uh, Ozzy comes in quick. He sounds awesome too. So far, and so good. Yeah. This song is famously about the death of supposedly about Bon Scott is what Ozzy has always said. Of course, Ozzy didn't write any of the lyrics. You know, Bob Daisley wrote all the lyrics, so who knows what it's really about. But I think that's what maybe what Bob Daisley wrote him about. Maybe that's what it was. But, uh, and you know, Bob Daisley wrote, I think, all the lyrics from, let's see, Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, Bark at the Moon. He may have done Ultimate Sin as well. And he may have done even, I can't remember how he where how far he went, but um, we, we're going to talk a little more about Bob Daisley at the end of the episode. Um but he's a great songwriter. Now there's a, there's a section in the middle of the song where Ozzy's doing all these random noises and uh, you know, things like that. And I think that's, it's weird, but it's really cool. I think I just like, I guess, cause I've heard it for 30 something years. Um, let's see here. And this is the song in the show where Randy had his guitar solo on the tribute album. Yeah. And, and that's what I prefer. Know, I prefer the, that. Yeah. The guitar solo. Yeah. It's smoking and, and on tribute. Really yeah. And, and and you know something cool that I oh, that I love on tribute is you know he's playing the riff dun, 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 then he's like he's and he's just like wah, 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 wah. he just plays these little these little extra things in between all the yes, riffs kind of like yes. what he the little you know, fills on, and bits he does oh and I love that and and so what I said but that's on the tribute I, album that's on the tribute yeah 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 that's on tribute none of that is done just, on, the, on the actual studio. But I'm talking about, you know, yeah, but I am talking about the song as a, as a whole in general, I guess, but I'm throwing that in there. But what I always said, I, what I think I found strange is there's not really a guitar solo in this song, you know, except at the end when it's just kind of just doing some random guitar things. And, right, right, right. Um, you know, some moody sounding things. And, and, and I, and I said, to, I, I thought this, I, thought, I wonder if they were, if they did it that way, knowing this was going to be the song that he was going to do a guitar solo. You know, like they were like, okay, why well, give him a big long guitar solo in this song? But to me, it really takes away from the song. So I will say, the the lack of a guitar solo does bring this song down some. I wouldn't, God, I wouldn't give it a five. I mean, I love the song, but I will say that's that's a you know, it, it's a great song, but and it's a, and that's a, but Randy Rhodes. When you talk about Blizzard of Oz, Randy Rhodes is the big, you know. He 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 passed away way too young. Right. right. Randy Rhodes is what people love about this album. You know, obviously Ozzy too, but of course, yeah. You know, Randy Rhodes is the because if you don't have Randy Rhodes on this album, if you get a Tony Iommi clone on this album, <laughs> Ozzy's, Ozzy's solo career might have been two or three albums. Yeah, that's what's problem. So, um, let's see here, and let's see what I say about that. I said. Um, I'm trying to see if I have anything else here. Uh, okay, never mind. That's pretty much what I had about it. So I don't know what num I don't know what number I would give this. I wouldn't. I would definitely not give it a five. I'm probably more like an eight or every almost everything Whoa. on this album to me is an eight or a nine. You know, or, wow. or a ten or an eleven. Wow. So yeah, I would definitely give this You're a lot higher mark. Steve. You're generous, man. 
That's Uncle Steve to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, now it's, it's good, but it's it's a good song, but it's just it just doesn't stack up with the other songs. Well, you know, it's like I said, it's all relative, and we all have things right. that we love, and we all have things that. So, speaking of things that we love, all right. Well, once again, I would like to apologize on behalf of my friend Mark for his uh, horrible opinion of. Suicide Solution. I must warn you, there might be some more controversial opinions when you listen when we do side two, which I already know what they are. So uh, wait till you hear those. You're probably going to pull your hair out or whatever. But yeah, unfortunately, Mark's email address really isn't my opinion sucks (laughs) at gmail.com. But if it was, I think it would be pretty accurate. All right, so with that, good night, and God bless Randy Rhodes.